0: welcome everyone to episode 72 of today in the scene i'm joe with Indie arcade wave and i just want to say thank you for checking us out 2021 has been a great year for us we've grown the community a bunch and i really really enjoy everybody we've talked to um so if you haven't already like share and subscribe it means the world to us and it super helps us out um, we're gonna bring somebody back that we've spoken to a bunch of times he knows everything about the space that's adam prop from uh, arcade heroes and um I just wanted to bring him on here to kind of recap 2021 and talk about what we are excited to see in 2022. So I guess without further ado, I'm going to bring him in here. How are you doing, Adam?
1: Good. How are you doing, Joe?
0: I'm great. I'm great. Um, i glad we got on here. We can finally talk about this stuff. Um, I know you've been putting out a ton of content on Arcade Heroes about um, what you've seen recently and kind of recapping the year. I know we talked about that a little bit. You're working on that. Um, so mm-hmm. I'll just first off have you reintroduce yourself for anyone that hasn't seen the other episodes we've done together so they know who you are and then we'll dive right in
1: gotcha uh thanks for having me on once again and uh hopefully keep it interesting for everybody and so i'm adam pratt i'm with arcadeheroes.com and so it's a website that's been covering arcades since 2006 so 15 years now and i also own my own arcade business it's called arcade galactic used to be called Game Grid Arcade, but very long story as to why I had to change the name. And I have two locations, one of which I opened in 2020. And so just making life work that way. And I also occasionally write for Replay Magazine. And I've sold arcade machines before. I've I've done everything in this business except for make arcade games at this point. So maybe that'll happen one day. But uh, that's a sum up of what i do
0: yeah i I guess i wanted to congratulate you on 15 years that's awesome um i know that that just keeps growing for you every single year Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um and yeah maybe you should make arcade games who knows (laughs) um i would like to (laughs) (laughs) um i guess the first topic i wanted to cover was x arcadia i've been just seeing everyone talk about this Uh, i've noticed tons of people searching on like youtube and google it just seems like it keeps going Mm -hmm. up in trends Um, What are some of the biggest updates that we saw or heard about this year, as well as what do you know about what's in store for next year?
1: Sure. So um, like earlier this year, there was a trade show called Amusement Expo 2021 took place in Las Vegas, and that was the uh, debut U.S. event for the company. They've been around before that. Um, For anybody unfamiliar with them, think of them as Neo Geo MVS, where you, the That was SNK back in 1990, throughout all the 90s up to 2003. And uh, they had a cartridge-based system that allowed for easy swapping, and it also allowed for more budget-minded titles. And it it also saved operators a lot of money. That's where uh, the Neo Geo was very successful in Latin and South America, and that allowed it to get into a lot of places. And that's one reason why King of Fighters is so popular in Latino communities is just because that's what they, a lot of them grew up with. And uh, they, they didn't really see street fighter or virtue fighter uh, or Mortal Kombat necessarily, just because it was a lot more, a lot easier to find something like um, King of Fighters. But uh, the X Arcadia is essentially trying to do that for today And one reason why they're doing that is because in Japan for the past 10, almost 15 years, really, um, most Japanese arcade games have been on something akin to a subscription model. Um, We call it revenue sharing in the business. And that's where the manufacturer will sell you a game, but then you have to make payments on it, at least uh, payments for depending on how much it makes. And so they take a cut of how much it makes. And sometimes that even gets split between more than one developer. And so that's left, that, that's been a lot of, that, that's created a lot of pressure for Japanese arcade operators. And even before the pandemic, you might've read stories about how Japanese arcades were closing here and there. I mean, there's still a lot that have been out there. Even after the pandemic, there's still many that have managed to survive. But it's just made it really difficult for anybody who wants to open up an arcade in Japan to actually make enough money to pay themselves and all their other bills, because almost every game they have, unless they have nothing but older games, uh, tends to be sending a lot of the money over to the manufacturers. And so the X Arcadia was made to bring that old business model back, but with newer hardware, it is PC based. um, And that allows the operators to buy brand new games without having to pay anybody else a fee or a cut of the revenues after they've already purchased it. So it's an old idea for today, but I guess reinvigorated. And so they've, they launched back at the very end of 2019 with Occam blue type R, a shoot 'em up game and a lot of the games that are on the platform are shoot 'em ups or shmups as we call them here over there they like to call them stgs and, and but they they have other genres that they've been able to bring back that at least here we've barely seen a lot of these genres like fighting games the aforementioned shoot-em-ups platformer games um i know they have some puzzle games in development and and whatnot and so it's um looking to reinvigorate the joystick gaming space as the in US arcades usually have just had racing games and light gun games and occasionally a rhythm or dancing game and that's kind of been it for the most part I mean once in a while you get a joystick control game but it's fairly rare and and of course there's VR that's coming up from a lot of major manufacturers and so um yeah, they, I got to see their dedicated cabinets at Amusement Expo 2021, and then I met them again at IAPA 2021, another trade show. IAPA is essentially the E3 of the arcade industry. Uh, obviously, this year wasn't as big as it had been in the past. In 2019 was the largest, I think, it had, they had had in their 100-year history. And... Um, But still, it was nice to uh, see and play those games. But uh, as of this moment, I guess I should have looked this up uh, prior. I think there's somewhere around 16 games that have been made available for it or that you can purchase right now. And um, I'd have to do some counting there, but somewhere around 16, 16 to 20 games. And then... um, they've got a lot more in store for the future, but of course, thanks to the, uh, the pandemic, a lot of things got delayed. Uh, Had that not been a pressure still going on, then there would have been a lot more games released this year. Um, but from what I know, a lot of stuff's gotten pushed back to next year and next year, um, we're looking at getting a lot of fighting games, one-on-one fighting games. And, um, so one of those that i did get to play at the show was samurai showdown 5 perfect and by snk and so that is a major partner that they added to their roster of developers that are uh, have joined the platform i mean they have a lot of big names out of japan already they've been working with cave and g.rev and uh, they got moss on board but as i mentioned snk is one of those that uh, announced earlier this year in the first game was Samurai Showdown Five Perfect. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to um, publish that footage of that game uh, that I got to play, and but it played beautifully and perfectly. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, and then I also got to play Crimson Katana Exa, which is a Kai, known as a Kai Katana. That's a Cave game. Okay, cave shoot them up and it just looked and played great. And that'll be coming next year. And uh, let's see. They also mentioned, uh, let's see here. Hello. <laughs> My daughter here, I guess wanting to join. Um, so they've got, uh, oh yeah, I got to play cotton rock and roll. Uh, which is the 30th anniversary of Cotton? Um, the the Cuedem Up is is uh, uh, it's sometimes called, and uh, you've also got um, I got to look this up as to how you s- pronounce this uh, Toho Perfect Sakura Fantastica, Fantastica um, by Team Shanghai Alice, and that's not a shoot 'em up game that's very well known here in the states. But it is um, known pretty well in uh, Japan. That's actually a pretty big thing in Japan. So, but um, so yeah, they, they've uh, also got a few other games that are in development that um, not allowed to to talk about yet. But uh, I mean, one of those, some of those that are um, coming up are uh, from SNK, and so you can definitely expect some really cool things from SNK and some other companies that have some names that, again, they haven't been announced, but I mean, assuming that uh, things turn around a little better in Japan, because that that's one reason why they've done a lot of delays is because just the pressures on the Japanese market with, uh, as far as the, um, um, the, the pandemic goes, that's caused a lot of delays, but, um, they assuming things can continue to improve or depending on how this Omicron uh, thing goes, um, we'll hopefully be getting some much uh, needed content sometime next year.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. I know everybody's pretty excited for the X-Arcadia stuff to come out and just more games and more availability is, is big production's hard, Um, but I'm sure everybody's working through it. Um, I guess, that kind of touches on what you were talking about with IAPA and as AMMO that is in uh, um, Vegas. Um, I guess you made it to a couple of trade shows this year, and I wanted to know what games really stood out to you that you're excited to see come out next year.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, well, one of those that I mentioned, the, or two of those, uh, the Samurai Showdown Five Perfect and uh, the Cotton Rock and Roll uh, for XR Acadia. Those are really exciting. Um, I, I guess I should have mentioned P 47 aces mark two, which is a side scrolling 'em up on XR Acadia for players. Uh, and, um, and I got to play that at both trade shows. Um, but, uh, outside of XR Acadia, um, I've I'm not, I'm not really been big into VR, but the, the Sega had something new and basically their first really major production with VR that they've ever touched called VR Agent. Um, it was interesting. It wasn't perfect. Um, is, what was unusual about it was that uh, you have a, a VR headset attached to the back of a light gun and it's a two handed light gun. Just got to bring my hands here and so uh you hold the gun up to your face and so you have the vr uh, on your face here and so um it's interesting in that it has a first person shooter game and uh, in arcades uh, you know there have been first person shooter games and i think there's ways to do it it's just you can't do it exactly like a console game. And that's why they've usually failed. Like there was war final assault back in 99 or 2000. Um, you've had, uh, I think it was called out trigger by Sega. Um, and there was half-life two survivor in 2006. And, and in Japan, they've done a few first person shooters, uh, that half-life two game, a cyber diver game. And um, one called, um, Oh, oh, left for dead. Uh, They, they did that. Um, But it's just always very difficult to reproduce keyboard and mouse controls. But uh, this one that Sega did um, it's, it's interesting that the the only main fault in it is because you have to have that thing held to your face. A lot of the times it would get out of focus a little bit and you're doing fast action shooting guys. Um, But it's, That aside, it was actually pretty fun, and I like first-person shooters, and and so uh, it would have been interesting if they had had the main model there, the two-player model. What they had at the show is only a single player, but they're only releasing it as a two-player, which can also link two units together. Uh, So that was interesting, and um, I think it's a little bit cheaper than a lot of your VR games, because that's the other problem with uh, most VR content in this business is this is just so expensive and so you have to charge a ton of money for it but I just don't know how easily sustainable that is over the long run but I've heard things you know virtual rabbits has done extremely well in the market and the King Kong VR is doing pretty well um it's just I don't know if it works for smaller locations like mine um so that was interesting uh, Sega also had um Jet Blaster, a jet skiing game or water personal watercraft uh, racing game that was fun and kind of had some outrun elements to it, uh, such as the branching system. Um, Asphalt Legends Nine arcade over at LA, LAI Games was uh, pretty cool. It's uh, essentially like Cruisin' Blast, um, but much nicer. Graphics. I mean, cruising's not bad on the graphics, but uh, this one just even better, more modernized, and um, that was fun. Um, my only qualm with that one is I saw the pricing, and it was like, oh, geez, this is very expensive. But a lot, of the, a lot of the pricing right now is much higher just because of the shipping issues, and what everybody was saying at IAPA was just how much more they were paying for a single shipping container since most stuff is manufactured in China, um, they were saying that before the pandemic, they would pay something like three to $5,000 per container, um, but now they were paying anywhere from $20,000 upwards. And so that has to be rolled into the price of these machines. And so that's where it makes it very difficult to uh, um, get on sales. And um, in addition to them taking forever, and you don't know exactly when, the uh, container might show up. Um, but uh, that that was a cool game and trying to think what else I came across there that really stood out to me. Um, yeah, that's, uh, I guess that, that kind of <laughs> covered uh, most of it there. Uh, oh, and pinball, uh, there was Cactus Canyon remake, which is pretty cool um that's not one you come across very often the, the original cactus canyon it was the very last pinball machine by Bally uh, midway and um, the remake kind of finishes it because the software had never been finished for it and it just was a beautiful looking game very fun to play has a lot of personality and likewise godzilla was uh, pretty cool by stern i'm Wasn't expecting much out of it, but I could see why people were really into it just because the particularly the premium model was uh, really cool and uh, has some fun ideas integrated into it that make it a memorable game. And a lot of people were interested in that one. And um, there was also Legends of Valhalla by American Pinball. Nothing like really innovative about it, but the theme was cool. You know, a Vikings uh, war theme that uh, was, that was fun. And um, yeah, that's kind of covers most of what I saw there. That's uh, yeah. Coming in 2022, but there's a lot of things that have been announced that just again, due to production issues or shipping issues, it's, It's kind of unknown when it's going to be out. Just saying, 2022, sometime. Uh, One game that had been announced on January 1st of this year, 2021, was uh, Golden Tee PGA Tour, and you know they, as far as I know, they've been manufacturing in the United States, but I think they get their electronic components from China. And as far as I'm aware, they still haven't released the game and uh, which is also unusual for them they usually incredible technologies the developers of that game usually release a golden tea every september Um, and they were talking about doing pga tour in spring and then the summer and then it was the fall and now i think they're just saying it's going to be out when it's out (laughs) Um, but it shows that even if a manufacturer as resource rich as incredible technologies is having trouble getting things out then yeah, it shows you that pretty much anybody else is going to as well. And that was the thing with Raw Thrills. Like Raw Thrills usually has something new that they show at something like IAPA more than one new product, and they didn't bring anything new because they were saying that if you were ordering something that we've already announced, like Superbikes 3 at the show, we probably wouldn't be able to get it to you until April or May of 2022. And so they didn't want to roll out new products that uh, could take even longer to show up. Uh, But um, as I've mentioned on arcadeheroes.com, there are a couple of Rothschilds games that have been seen on location tests recently, such as a standard version of Halo Fireteam Raven in a cabinet that looks a lot like the old Aliens Armageddon and uh, also just got information on a game that's um uh, the furious and so they've got a new racing game based on the fast and furious franchise which they've done three times before so this would be number four um, but i only got a shot from behind the cabinet it's kind of an odd shot and not of the game itself, so don't know much about that, but can safely assume it's like uh, the old Fast and Furious games just with newer graphics. So that'll come sometime in 2022 as well.
0: Yeah, all super exciting (laughs) stuff to see. And yeah, it it really hurts that shipping has gone up so much because it makes games that people want almost unaffordable to a lot of arcades. So you have to be like a major Dave and Busters or something to even be able to get your hands on that kind of
1: stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because uh, I mean, usually when it comes to these trade shows, you do have a lot of people that are, I, I'd say, are like dreamers. You know, they want to get into the business, but they're not sure, and uh, they're just checking things out, or they um, don't have the budget for it. And in the past, I would say the average cost of a brand new arcade game was somewhere around seven thousand five hundred to eight thousand dollars. Um, but with some of the pricing that I saw lately, it's probably that average is probably shot up to 10,000, if not higher. And so, um, it, 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 sucks, but you know, it's just the reality of, of how things are going b- between shipping and production costs. I mean, as anybody that's in production knows your electronics components costs has gone up, um, you're and there's inflation that's also affecting things i mean we've seen inflation affect everything from food and gas and all this other stuff um that's been a pressure as well and i just had to get a new car recently and i was absolutely shocked because as i was shopping around um there were a bunch of used cars that cost more than brand new cars and i, I couldn't believe it and so it I actually ended up getting a new car because it was cheaper than buying Uh, a used car that, you know, maybe was a thousand dollars less than brand new, but it already had like 40,000 miles on it. Or there were some cars that had, you know, more than 50,000 miles on it that were still costing more than some brand new ones. And so I just, I couldn't believe it. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, that, that is another thing that you bring up that, uh, you know, there's been this constant battle in recent years of what's called the Family Entertainment Center, you know, something like Dave and Busters, and then the small independent arcade. And most of the games that have been in development have been to appeal to the FEC and not so much the independent arcade owner. And that's, what's been nice about independent games, indie games is that they are made to appeal more to that independent operator and they don't cost as anywhere near as much as the, um, uh, you know uh, all these these bigger games of course the the challenge with an indie game is that it doesn't have the <clears throat> same look or it doesn't have some big license attached to it and so it is a little harder for it to get noticed a lot of the time <clears throat> excuse me and, and uh, so there's that challenge there but you know there's plenty of opportunity that I think indies have to take advantage of that space that these bigger companies haven't been for, uh, failing, uh, especially the bar arcade scene, you know, because there's thousands there've been thousands of bars out there that have arcades in them, but most of them don't want to spend, uh, 16 18 twenty thousand on a brand new racing game and yeah. <laughs> because if you buy a racing game you want to buy more than one unit at least you want to buy two to link them together you know the arcade business has always been happy to to sell you two other than one um gosh and, and that uh, reminds me uh, i was for some reason i completely forgot about namco um so among the games that i played at iapa that uh, were a lot of fun maximum Tune five dx plus which i do have on order a new racing game. Uh, probably the, I, I, in my opinion, it's uh, one of the best racing games on the market. That's why I don't know why I forgot that. So sorry about that. Um, <clears throat> but it's just so detailed. It has so much content uh, put into it that uh, it's it's created a very loyal fan base of players. And I'm um, looking forward to getting that one. That's launching on January 12th, 2022. And so I hope to, Get my kit, my upgrade kits in for that soon, and then they also introduced Pac-Man Battle Royale Championship, which is a sequel to Pac-Man Battle Royale, and that game was released in 2011, and so almost 10 years later. But it's a higher definition version, and just adds a other bunch of bells and whistles to the game that really makes it a perfect game for bar arcades multiplayer, and it'll support up to eight players. So kind of taking a page from Killer Queen as far as getting that many players uh, together. But um, at least the Pac-Man game from Namco's side, it also is a more affordable machine than uh, what a lot of the other machines are out there too. And so, again, that's uh, with with what indies are normally doing as well as something like the X-Arcadia platform where if you have a game that they want to they would like to put out on there um that can give you a pretty good opening and particularly with the x arcadia i think it's that's why it's so appealing to indie developers is just because you it will allow you to get your game into arcades but you don't have to put all the Uh, resources and uh, spend all that money on building a whole new arcade cabinet and getting the platform and sourcing all those parts right now um and so that that gets to be x's uh, thing as as far as handling all that side and you just have to worry more about getting the software side right but if you look at the xr roster there are a lot of games on there that are considered indies on the PC or console side of things. Uh, but of course they do make sure that there are changes made to the gameplay so that it works for an arcade environment because that is a bit of a different beast than what you would typically get on your console. And, uh, and But the, the Exa guys are great at working with developers on that to make sure that it, it fits what an arcade needs so that it can do better That uh, and they've uh, they have rejected some games that uh, were presented to them, but they just play too much, like console games, where on one credit somebody could play for 45 minutes. And in an arcade environment, that doesn't really work out too well because that means the game's not going to earn. And if it doesn't earn, then arcade operators like myself won't want to buy it because we won't make our money back. And so, um, as much as that might suck (laughs) from a monetization point of view. You know that's why arcades have tended, or the best arcade games, they they can take your money, but uh, when you get good at them, then you can go on longer and longer. And so, unfortunately, there are a lot of more modern games where they have time to die timers put into them, uh, where it just kills you regardless of how good you are. And so, I, I don't like that myself. And there was one game I played at Iapa that was just crazy on how that was called elevator action invasion by Eunice, and it just like i was shooting this helicopter boss that shows up maybe a minute into gameplay and didn't matter how much i was shooting it it wouldn't destroy it and it would hit me and take my health down and i was dead fairly quickly and that was frustrating not fun um so it's about finding that balance but i'm getting off on a tangent (laughs) Yeah,
0: I mean, I think you made a, a really, really good point with the indie space. Just like, I mean, if a cabinet is $20,000, $30,000, that's really going to push the little guy out. But people talk about how the indie games are expensive at five, 6000 bucks, but th- that's a huge, huge difference in price. And you're right, it is, it is about the license, the IP. And if you're an arcade that you want to build your community, those are great games to build your community around. They do really, really breed the multiplayer aspect like Killer Queen or Galactic Battleground or Death Ball. I mean, you need multiple people to play these games for them really? to be really fun. So it, it just brings more people, it brings more friend groups in, and it, it does make a huge difference for the community of the arcade. Um, I think the last thing that I wanted to talk about was um, the major changes and closures that we've seen in the arcade scene. Um, really? We've seen tons in Japan, especially like some of the most iconic really? arcades Fantastic. in the world, basically in the in the Japanese space have been closing down, but we also see more opening up. So kind of touch on that as to like what closed down this year that was crazy for people that just amazed them that it happened. And what have you seen that's opening up?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, have been doing my own, uh, year in review post for arcade heroes and, uh, looking at the top 10 posts of the year, I usually do that. I'm usually not a top 10 listicle guy. Um, but, uh, It's oftentimes that's just based on opinion and conjecture, but at least with top 10 posts of the year, I can look at the data and say, okay, this is what people actually were reading. And so I like to look at that, but I was a little bit saddened to see that top two stories on the site over the year involved location closures. Um, Uh, One of those was the Museum of Pinball in, uh, I think it was Banning, California. And they auctioned off all their machines. And, you know, there was a lot of machines that they auctioned off. And then the pricing was made public because it was an auction. And uh, that's kind of caused an additional disruption in the market because a lot of people were looking at, oh, this game sold at auction for this much, so that means my machine must be worth this much. And it's, it's crazy. I even had a guy contact me, uh, about a Marvel versus Capcom two, which I had bought, you know, for several hundred dollars, you know, 10 years ago or something like that. And he was offering 3000 for it. And I was like, wow, maybe I should sell it. <laughs> um, but, um, then it's like, well, then try and find another one. That's what I'm going to be paying. Um that uh, there was that there was a uh, FEC in London that also closed. Uh, Let me find that one really quick. Um, And this was actually the top story on, um, yeah, the Namco fundscape in London had closed. And that was also a very popular, very um, well-known site. There, um, and that so that just got a lot of attention. But that story also did touch on alternatives that you could come across in um, in London. But uh, you know, in London also had had this uh, site known as the Trocadero. I hope I said that right. Um, <clears throat> that had closed down. I, I believe the funscape in London had. Uh, been close to that or associated with it somehow I've uh, not been to London so I've never been sure how that's all worked out and how close these things were to each other but um, you know that got a lot of attention GameWorks closing down we just learned about that last week and actually a lot of employees only learned about it from hearing about it on social media and so the leadership of GameWorks the current one um, didn't bother to let a, a lot of people know about that they were closing down um but from what i also learned is that a lot of the gameworks locations had just been closed since the pandemic started and so i think the one at the mall in america mall of america had been closed that long and a couple of others just haven't been open for almost two years and so um i guess it wasn't a big surprise on those ones but there were some other locations like i think the las vegas one um uh, had been open it's just um yeah the, the, that's some more on the american side um there actually was another one in um the uk called new game arcade i believe uh where they had just opened uh, not long ago and they didn't say exactly why but they ended up closing already shortly after they were doing an expansion um but then as you mentioned in japan uh, there was uh, some closures and so um It wasn't uh, too long ago where Sega, uh, you know, Sega had a bunch of um, uh, arcades that they had set up or or that they have been operating for many years. And so you have Sega branded arcades all over Japan. Um, But with the pandemic, uh, Sega essentially uh, said, we're done with arcades. And so they severely... Uh, reduced the amount of staff developing arcade games, and uh, there was a lot of retirements. And then, on the arcade operations side of the actual arcade sites, they sold off their business to a company called Genda. And um, and so, Genda, they had to take a look at what was working, what wasn't, and they've closed down some sites. But there was one in particular. Um, the name is escaping me off the top of my head. I want to say it's in Shinjuku. I can't remember for certain. I should have looked that up um, beforehand. Um, But uh, either way, there was one that was set up in Japan um, that had had just been a very big arcade Mm. and had a very very good community around it. But apparently they just couldn't make it. But funny enough is that they closed that down, but then they opened it up. Uh, they opened up another one right across the street from it. It's just that the game selection is now very different. It doesn't have as many video games. And, uh, from what I recall, and hopefully I'm getting this right as to the exact location. It, um, I think it just has one floor of mm-hmm. standard video games and, um, Those video games are nothing but Bandai Namco's uh, Gundam uh, Extreme versus Boost um, two, and so um, it's not quite the same, even though it's right across the street. But uh, that's one thing to also keep in mind with some of these uh, Japanese ones is that they are um, they um, sometimes you have sites that were set up with very poor. Uh, landlord or leasing agreements and so they just the location was paying out way too much money uh, just on rent and so that's where they had to sometimes shut down and go somewhere else or get a new contract or something along those lines.
0: Yeah I mean it's it's always sad to see them go and I think the the big one in Japan was in Akihabara. Um, oh, that's yeah. yeah so that one that one closing was just like a huge stab in the heart to basically the whole arcade scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that pretty much wraps up everything I wanted to talk about today. Um, hopefully we can see some more arcades coming back and the business growing. Um, but I guess the last thing is just let us know where they can find uh, Arcade Heroes and let us know about the social medias. Sure.
1: And that's one thing I should also mention, too, is that even though the uh, location closures got a lot of attention on them, uh, they I have posted eight separate stories about new locations opening. And so like this year has just been a really mixed bag. And so there have been a lot of new sites opening, even in Japan, there's been quite a few that that have been opening more than you would expect, I guess. Uh, But yeah, it's still, there are closures. It's just the arcade business isn't dead. It isn't done. Um, There's still, money to be made in the business. It just it depends on a lot of factors that are often difficult to explain in a quick uh, post or something like that. And like I said, landlord stuff oftentimes makes or breaks the location. And so even if a location does extremely well, it, it could be that your rent is just way too crazy. And because of that contract it's uh, it, and it, it can be hard to get out of. And that's one thing that affected game works uh, particularly early on was just, they, they, they had so much money behind them that they made these kind of stupid deals with uh, landlords and that ended up hurting them just because those sites didn't do as well as how much money the landlord wanted out of them. And, uh, and so that, that oftentimes hurts arcades more than, than anything else. Um, but um, that, the, yeah, anyways. Uh, so yeah. Keep, keep an eye out for arcades opening out there. There are still many that are uh, coming up and we'll hear about more opening up in uh, 2022. I've actually got a, there's a couple that I know of right now and I'm working on the next location watch post and, and there's a big one that's just opened this week in um, Sanford, Florida, a giant arcade that I did get to go and see um, before uh, or when I was at IAPA. And so um, that'll be interesting. But anyways, as you asked, um, (laughs) it's ArcadeHeroes.com. And so I'm on pretty much every social media platform that's out there. And uh, so Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. And uh, for my site, um, YouTube has also been seeing a lot of growth this year, mainly thanks to uh, Minecraft Dungeons Arcade. Uh, No surprise there, right? Uh, My uh, favorite, next to Minecraft. (laughs) Yeah, Minecraft. It's a lot of attention from the kids, huh? Yeah, and um, I also like Minecraft Dungeon because it's like Minecraft. Yep, it is. But huh? different. <laughs> right, just a little different. Um, so you can find Arcade Heroes on YouTube as well. And uh, like Indie Arcade Wave, I've also um, been trying uh, some alternate uh, YouTube sites uh, and, uh, such as BitChute and Odyssey and... Uh, seeing if how those things go there and so you get like, like you can catch our kid here is there you can also catch into arcade wave on those platforms as well like me i watch that
0: <laughs> awesome well thanks for coming on um it's always great to talk to you um i'm going to throw the social media links down in the description so you guys can check them out um to anybody watching this happy new year um it should be 2022 by the time this video is out yep. and There will be a whole bunch more coming this year. We've got merch and a bunch of other stuff. So until next time,
1: peace. Ciao. Bye.